Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. I'm, I'm Alex Adams, live here in Jakarta, Indonesia, covering the Canadian men's national team at the FIBA World Cup. Canada has won its first two games against France and Lebanon in impressive fashion, especially against France. Um, thanks to Oren Weisfeld for taking the time and coming on uh, of The Guardian, um, Sportsnet, Yahoo. Am I missing something, Oren? I I know you, you have... Yeah, man. Raptors Republic. That's that's where I got my start. So it's good to see you doing the, the Canada podcast for them. As I honestly started in the same way, basically doing Canada basketball stuff for them during the 2021 qualifier. So... That's that's the best website we got going in Canada. <laughs> best place to get your feet uh, wet and, yeah. and start it. So shout out to you for carrying on. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And thanks to Louis Zatzman, who's been my editor and, and really kind. And everyone at Raptors Republic has been great. Everyone should check out Jonathan Chen's stuff. But um, you're one of the, the OGs of covering this team um, as well, just starting in 2021, but also just following them you know, in the dog days, I guess, as well. Um, Oren, just what do you make of, of their tournament so far? And especially that win against France, because I don't know if we can really glean too much from Lebanon. But w- what kind of performance just or maybe what kind of statement was that Canada win versus France? Yeah, it's like a cliche to call it a statement game, which a thousand people have already. But uh, it's definitely what it was. Um, you know, honestly, it's kind of vindicating to cover this team and, and despite all of the sadness that's happened over the years and, and, you know, a lot of people going into this tournament, even when Jamal Murray was in the mix, a lot of people I knew were like, yeah, this all looks great, but I'm not going to trust it until I see it on the floor. Like it was almost a curse element to this team where people weren't going to trust it until they, they actually saw them succeed. So I think that France game was, was kind of the monkey off the back for a lot of people and finally allowed them to okay maybe get a bit excited for their their opportunities not just in this tournament but you know going forward with this core group because this this group is obviously young they are in it for the long haul it seems like so um yeah just a lot of excitement i think and and definitely vindication for people who have been following and who who believed in the team um like myself and yeah i mean the france game was Something that no one would have predicted. I think I was as high on this team as as anyone mm-hmm. covering it. Like I, I really believed in them, and yet I would have said like, yeah, if they scrape by France, that's great. Even if they lose, they still have a chance of of making it to the knockout round. I would have never predicted a thirty point win. So every single thing was going well for them, and I think Rowan Barrett deserves a lot of credit. He put together a team that just fits really well together, and Jordy Fernandez deserves a lot of credit too. Yeah, and and with that, just for you, Oren, how how can things go up from that France game? Because it felt as though that was almost a complete performance. I mean, in a way, you could argue that it's a, a tale of two halves. But 
how can this team improve maybe going up against Latvia and, and, and later on in this tournament? Like what, what's the next gear for this team? Because Jordi Fernandez said every game they want to get better and, and they'll be better at um, just as the tournament progresses. But I, I find it hard to believe they can play that much better than they did against France. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I do wonder, I, I'd be curious to see just like how much better certain teams are than France because we went into the tournament thinking France was going to be a powerhouse and, you know, the win over Can- the Canada win made you, you know, shake your head a little bit. But then losing to Latvia, it's like, oh, maybe France just wasn't that good in this tournament. I, I didn't think they were that good, honestly. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see a test in Latvia and then in the next round against Spain, who've looked really dominant. Like they played. Were you at the Brazil game today? Yeah, I was at the, I was at the end of the, the Brazil game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they right, so they. They look good. They look really good, but at the same time, I just feel Canada looks they they look good, but they did not look at the level of Canada in in that France game, right? It, it's yeah. almost a notch below the way I see it right now, and I don't know how about you, how you feel about it, but is I would uh, yeah. yeah sorry no no go for it. I would agree with that. Canada looks like the best team in the tournament so far, but. You know, it's FIBA. Anything can happen. You can have a bad shooting night. You can get into early foul trouble. So I think maybe those are the things you want to look for from Canada in terms of like that consistency. Like, A, do their most important players stay out of trouble? Because like if if that's happening in every game, like it did against France, if that's happening in every game, then you might have a cause for concern. And then B, are they shooting well? Like the game against France, you said it was a tale of two halves. It was, but that was mostly because in the first half, they just didn't shoot the ball well mm-hmm. on really good looks, I thought. Yeah. So totally in the in the second half, they just started hitting their threes. Shea obviously got going his individual game. But yeah, if they can hit their threes consistently, stay out of foul trouble consistently, um, I do think the sky's the limit because their defense is just so good. Like they play so hard every night. And their defense is so good. When you watch other teams play, it's just it's a completely different ball game. Canada has so much like length, so much size, physicality. They're playing hard and they're on the same page, which is I think was the biggest question maybe coming in mm-hmm. um, is like, how is that chemistry and continuity going to factor in? And and really like the defense is simple, but it's clean. They're not making mistakes. So, um, yeah, it's looking good. I, I, I think the defense has just been so outstanding at least so far in the tournament because in the pre-tournament games they looked okay but they they had the stretch against spain that they really in that third quarter against spain in the pre-tournament games uh game that they were dominant but other than that there was no stretch like the one they had against france but if but i i just the one guy that keeps jumping out and and a lot of people have been talking about him i mean he he was a popular guy in the nba for a while is at least dylan brooks but he just, I don't know what's happened. Maybe a switch turned after getting 80 million from Houston. I don't know. But he's been phenomenal and just everything you want from him. He he hasn't taken one bad shot in the tournament. In the pre-tournament games, he maybe took a handful. And that was my biggest worry is, oh, he's just going to chuck. None of that. He's been a really good corner uh, three-point shooter, shooting the three pretty well. His form looks tight watching him in practice i had a video up he missed he made i think it was 11 straight threes from the corner and obviously wide open fiba but 
Um, he's definitely shooting the ball well. Just what do you make of his his game so far for Canada? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Like a, a switch has been flipped. It feels that way. I'll be curious to see if it continues uh, in Houston. If it does, a lot of people are going to have to eat their words on the contract uh, because <laughs> if he if he's really like, and I think it happens with a lot of NBA players, it's an underrated thing, but like guys do what they have to do to put food on the table. And now that he has that contract, it wouldn't shock me if he becomes a different player and he's willing to take that veteran role and just buy into the defense and the, you know, three point shooting. That's what he's done for this team. And yeah, it it was definitely a worry for me too, but yeah, I can't really say you said it all. There's not much else to say about Brooks. He's been just really, really good in this starting group their best defender I would say throughout the whole tournament and the pre-qualifying along with Lou Dort I think has also been really excellent um but yeah it's it's definitely a different role than we're used to seeing from Brooks and and he is kind of rewriting the narrative a little bit on himself which is great to see because I think people have misunderstood him for a lot of his career a lot of the times he's had to take those shots for Memphis it's not like you look at their roster when Jaws out and see a ton of like scoring and yeah. Jaw is always out. So uh I, I do think that's a big part of and it. And again, yeah. Yeah. So no. yeah, shout out to Dylan Brooks for buying into that role and, and shout out to everyone just you know on the whole program for for kind of helping him buy into that role because it's not an easy thing. What's interesting I think it helps that they're his friends, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And what's interesting is I, I was talking to Nikhil and he said the word he said, What's basically your role on this team and how are guys adapting to FIBA? And he said guys are dumbing down the role from the NBA. And I thought that was really interesting talking about just the sacrifice and mm-hmm. maybe because there's no money on the line here and it's all about uh, making the Olympics first and foremost, and then hopefully going deep after that to, to maybe medal or, or maybe even get a gold. But do you, th- do you think the roster construction has really had a lot of set roles and defined roles for guys? And that's part of the success, because for me, I really see it as, there's a clear pecking order, sorry, with Shea, then maybe RJ offensively, Kelly, Dylan. Um, there's been no one that's really tried to to do stuff or play out of maybe their their comfort zone or maybe out of their their strengths. And um, I feel that's been a really really big part of their success so far in the tournament. Yeah. So. I remember like Rowan Barrett saying a while back that like we're gonna take the the best fitting team. This isn't an all-star game, uh, all that stuff. And you you think about it like with all the NBA talent and you're like, sure, you're going to say that. But at the end of the day, you're not cutting NBA players. Like that was always my approach. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I was surprised to see a guy like Melvin Edgem, like make the team and, and play such a significant role, not just make the team, but play that role. And it's like, you look at like, the situation with uh, Corey Joseph, for example, you know, I I know that they span it in a way that like Corey wants to, you know, to me, and I'm not reporting, but it, it, reading the tea leaves, it seems like he was not going to be offered a huge role on the team and he didn't want to come and and play that. Yeah, I heard, role. I heard the same thing just for the right. record. I, I, I don't. So, so I think, yeah. And I don't think that was only the case with Corey. There was a couple other guys who were kind of the wording was like, it's a mutual decision. But again, it seemed like me that those guys were offered small roles and they didn't want it. And so credit to to Rowan again, because I think bringing a guy like Ejim, Trey Bell Haynes, who's actually been a really bright spot 
um, who are just willing to play these really small, compact roles, but thrive in them, which NBA players might not be willing to play those roles. Um, it's worked out really well so far. And like I said, coming into this tournament, you can look at the roster and you can poke holes in it, but there's no fundamental flaw on it. I just think they have mm-hmm. everything you could need. You have rebounding, you have three-point shooting, handling, you have a big, a couple bigs. Like they, they have everything they need talent wise, but also just like fit wise to, to win the tournament. In your mind, Warren, is, is Shea the best player in this tournament? Uh, I would go with Luca. Okay. As biased I, as I want to be. But Luca <laughs> is pretty outstanding. Luca does like you, you like I I put a lot of weight into experience and Luca has a, an insane amount of experience compared to Shea playing the FIBA game and also just at Real Madrid playing the FIBA rules. So he yeah, I would say Luca just cuz like the playmaking, he's a step ahead of Shea, but um the rest of that roster is is nowhere near Canada. So yeah, like that's the thing. Shea is great and we can talk about him more, but you look at that France win and and when I wrote about it, it was like Shea got it going in the third quarter, but this was such a team win and that's why it was encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like there's always going to be a game where Shea can bail you out and that's that's nice, but that's not uh what's it called? Like that's not a recipe you can carry forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the team aspect is and I feel like we've seen every game including the qualifiers like a pretty repeatable format. Um, the starters are good. They're getting better every game playing together. And then Nikhil and Dort come off the bench early and they just like juice up the game with their defense, really. And Nikhil's been shooting the ball really well. And then you get like Kyle Alexander and Ejim in it and they bring that physicality and that rim protection. And it's just like, it's just a really good roster and, and everyone, yeah, everyone knows their role. And, and just with Shea, I, I want to ask just a bit of your philosophy um, because I, I, I'm just curious because with, with Luca versus Shea argument, how much do you take into the account that just Shea's a much, much better defender? Like I, I always find that hard to quantify, but also very valuable. And if you look just in the NBA, um, Luca didn't make the, the play in and probably had just as good a roster in a lot of ways as, as Shea. Um mm-hmm and and she obviously did and and um with a, and w- with a very young roster too it wasn't like he had experienced vets or anything like that so just what do you th- make of that i'm just curious to to pick your brain a little bit yeah i think uh that's an argument i i tend to honestly lean on the side of defense for like when a guy like Giannis or jimmy butler like i tend to overrate those guys because of their two-way impact but Shea is not like an elite defender. He is better than Luca. I agree with you there. Luca doesn't try very hard and Shea does. And that makes a huge difference right there. But until Shea is going to be like an elite defender, um, I can't, I, I guess I don't really like put that much stock into the fact that he's better than Luca on that end. And therefore he's a better player. So that's kind of where I tend to go is just like, um, yeah, I think, I think Luca is a, a better enough offensive player to where I would probably make the case for him. Um, But yeah, Shea's defense credit to him is getting better every season. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's had a ton of steals in this tournament for sure. Um, But he, he still, I would say he gets caught flat footy. He gets caught watching off ball. Like he, he's not in that tier yet where I, where I think he's better than Luca because of it. Would you say he's like an above average, like a slightly above average defender? Would he be an average defender? How would you maybe in this tournament or in the NBA? 
I mean, uh, I guess in either or, just how would you evaluate yeah. his his defensive kind of profile? I would say in this tournament, he's definitely above average, but in the NBA, he's just cracking average last year. Okay, okay, fair enough. And I mean, he did have a big load, so that's also part of it, right? Um, that yeah. you see he had a ton of steals and blocks last year, so maybe I'm being harsh, but um, it's also the Hassan he's not exactly side. asked. He he lives the life of having Lou Dort on his team. Like he's not asked to really put up, you know, like those tough matchups. And it's also just the reality of the NBA. You rest on defense when you're the primary guy. So um, he's getting better. The effort's getting better. The the steal and block rate is definitely getting higher. And and I think like even as soon as this season, I think he'll be above average. Yeah, no, for sure. And from from Shea to to. Canada is probably second leading scorer. That will be probably the case throughout this tournament is RJ Barrett. You had a really good piece about just his ascension on the national team. And and just maybe tell us a bit about the piece and, and what have you thought of him so far? Yeah, sure. So I wrote a big read for Sportsnet on RJ Barrett. People want to check it out. Um, just because going into the tournament, I, I he he's the guy who, I mean, Things changed with the exhibition games, the way he played. But before that, it was like no one really thought about RJ Bear. I saw a lot of people thinking he wouldn't even start on this team. And so to me, he was kind of like the underrated guy who people don't really because most people just watch Canada basketball once a year and, and they don't really like pay attention. But he just has so much experience with the program, played at every single youth level. Um, one U19 gold against uh, America, which was a huge moment in his career. And, and like, he's just kind of been developed through the FIBA game. It's such a huge, huge part of his development, obviously in part because his father is the GM of the Canadian program. So I just kind of wanted to to dig into that, how it's, how it's affected his development. Um, and obviously predicting that he's going to have a big tournament Um you know, this is a different level of competition for RJ. I'll say that. Like the only time he's played with the senior team before was in that Olympic qualifying tournament against teams like China and Czech Republic. And those are a different level of, he was great, but that's a different level of competition than France and Spain. I still think he's going to play a lot better than he did against France. You know, I, I don't take anything from that Lebanon game. So we'll no. see tomorrow. Um, But yeah, I just think, he has an interesting story and a big part of the piece too is just diving into like his track record in big games is pretty mm-hmm. ridiculous. And so I do think it, 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 when it comes down to those big games and, and we saw it in, in the, in the dying minutes of those exhibition games against Germany and Spain, like he's a guy that can really get you a bucket in those moments or just make a play in those moments. Um, And that's something he's done throughout his whole career. So yeah, just just kind of an interesting story to follow throughout the tournament no for sure and with that obviously he didn't play well against France I also think France might be the worst team for him to play against just with a guy like Rudy Gobert obviously at the room although I mean I did ask RJ about how he his he's transitioned from or how his game compares from the NBA to FIBA and he said the paint's wide open which I just find is such an interesting quote because in a it shouldn't really be because there's no defensive three seconds but um what do you think of the maybe the theory or or with with rj's game just in fiba that maybe guys are a bit less athletic overall Mm -hmm. so you can kind of blow by guys a bit easier than it maybe in the nba 
and just not the same type of athletes because he's such a good around the basket finisher. Yeah, I think there's a couple things like a he plays for the Knicks. So that's funny that he says the paint is wide open. I think, you know, it's kind of not a shot at the Knicks it or anything, be. but that's yeah, that's what Knicks Canada does. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's a little funny. bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the funny thing is people like do poke holes in this Canada roster as as a shooting roster and yet they do have four guys on the floor pretty much at all times who can shoot the three might not be elite at it, but like who can shoot it. And then you look at the Knicks and it's not always that way. So um, yeah, I could, I could see, I could buy the the idea that he has more space. I also think a big part of his comfort level is just that like, yeah, the size and athleticism is different than in the NBA. It, it is smaller on the wings in FIBA and FIBA and he can take advantage of that. Not against France, like you said, but um, he just has a different level of comfort in FIBA because he actually gets the ball. And I feel like with the Knicks, he's like primarily a catch and shoot guy. Once in a while, he'll get to run a second side pick and roll. But primarily Jalen Brunson and um, Julius Randle. What's Julius Randle have the ball? Thank you. There. And in this team, and, and not just in this, in his whole life playing Canada, he's been a primary option. And that just kind of helps you get your rhythm going. And RJ, to me, is a guy who just gets better as the game goes on. He figures out his spots. And so when you have those reps, when you get the ball in your hands, when you get to take more shots, um, it just makes sense that, yeah, he can. he's a little bit more comfortable and he's a little bit better as a scorer because he just has more opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think RJ's ever had a roster on the Knicks that really suited his game style, right? They've always had... Yeah. Robinson who can't shoot and Julius Randle who likes to be around the the paint yeah. and that's where RJ lives and and they've never really had a great three-point shooting team I guess maybe a bit last year but in the, his first three or four years it's really been <laughs> maybe the worst types of teams that or roster construction it's just for his own game as you mentioned um, so yeah. uh, it's been interesting to see what he's been like just for Canada and hopefully he he turned he looks more like the friendly games rather than maybe the first game um against yeah. France just because uh, he wasn't he was poor but it was a lot of outside shooting so um yeah and it didn't matter that's the other thing yeah i know i mean it they, really they didn't matter that he wasn't good and he's still he good, didn't need to be right and he's still a good playmaker i one thing that i really worried about in this ahead of this tournament is is the lack of maybe playmaking and sure, they maybe don't have a traditional point guard, but it's almost for me that everyone on the team, other than maybe a, a couple guys, can play make to some level. Yeah. And the the general playmaking is is at a pretty high level, right? You think about Kelly Olynyk, you think about Shea's a, good, a decent passer. RJ got five assists in that game against France when his shot yeah. wasn't going. Um, Nikhil. Uh, this team's just a, a pretty good passing team overall. That I think maybe we 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 slept on a little bit going into the tournament. Yeah, I agree. It was it was a worry of mine too, and that's a credit to like Canada basketball. Like just the development pipeline that these guys come up through is it's very you know it, it's versatile players are are a priority, and even talking to guys like Dwayne Washington at UPlay and Nathaniel Mitchell. Mm-hmm. who are like two of Barrett's primary trainers growing up, like both of them talked about just like that playmaking that how hard they've worked on that throughout his career. And um, yeah, you're seeing a bit of the fruits of, your, of their labor and like RJ's 23. That's, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's, 
he's a starter on this team. He he doesn't get talked about like he's younger than these guys, but he is. He's the second youngest guy on the team. And so when you talk about like strength based creation or playmaking, all these things are going to get better for RJ as his career goes on. I don't think he's anywhere near like his peak self where, you know, a guy like Brooks might be like might be closer to that peak Mm -hmm. at his age. So, yeah, that's that's why I think RJ is is more exciting. And and I just don't like the like rep he gets on the Knicks where they have put him in this small role with a team that doesn't suit him very well. And and now the NBA community is kind of out on him in a way. And I'm just like, I don't get it. He's 23. You know, he he gets better every year. Um, So, yeah. No, and I, I thought he played really well in the playoffs, right? In 2021, yeah. when the Knicks made the playoffs for only five games against Trey Young, he wasn't very good. But last mm-hmm. year when they when they beat the Cavs, or, or I guess this year, um, he was really, really good um, and, mm-hmm. and really felt like, oh, okay, so he's, he's good in the playoffs now, unlike maybe Julius Randle on the Knicks. So Well, it might also not be a coincidence that Randle was out for that series with the injury, and, mm-hmm. and that's when Barrett really shines. So, yeah, it might just be that I would say Julius Randle is a hard guy to play with for a lot yeah. of players. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, to another piece of yours, you, you talked about Dil- uh um, Dwight Powell and uh, Kelly Olynyk's kind of chemistry, and and they've been with the national team for so long. Maybe just tell us a bit about that that story, and and they've been phenomenal together as as part of the front court here in in Jakarta for Canada. Yeah, so that story came from again watching the twenty twenty one Olympic qualifying tournament, and I I wrote at that time for Raptors Republic about like how Dwight Powell was the most important player for that team. And it was just because that was their only big and they didn't have anyone to bring off the bench. The depth was really shaky. And um, he gets in foul trouble in the in the semifinal game and, and plays like 20 minutes and, and they just get crushed on the rebounds. And I was like looking at this roster and I was like, okay, if we are going to poke a hole in this roster, I would say it's it's the front court depth. Mm-hmm. Um, if either of those guys get in foul trouble, you're going to not NBA, you're going to Euro league guys off the bench rather than NBA guys. And so that's kind of the worry. So I wrote the piece. Yeah. In the sense of like, these two guys have a lot of pressure on them to perform and stay out of foul trouble. And because when they're on the court together or just one of them at the five Canada is just in a really good position so far. So good for sure. I will say Kyle Alexander has impressed me. I didn't, I didn't, no, he was this good. So I am a little less worried if like a Dwight Powell gets into foul mm-hmm. trouble because now you have Kyle Alexander off the bench. Um, but still the point the point stands when you're gonna play like Jaron Jackson Jr. if they get that far, you need Dwight Powell and Kelly Olinick to to be at their best. And yeah, as this tournament's gone on, you've really seen their like two man game in that in the Lebanon game, you you see their connection. Um their familiarity they played a ton of games together and yeah they they also are like obviously kelly's the captain dwight's the other second highest cap player on the team or i actually think it's edge but but in terms of of nba NBA players i should say yeah um so yeah it's those two have a ton of like responsibility as leaders on this team yeah, for sure. And they definitely have, you know, they clearly are friends off the court, just the way they interact and, and obviously grew up together. Um, and it, I just think Olenek's just been it's 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 funny because you you see guys you think of maybe the guys that have beat Canada when you think about like maybe a Thomas Sadoransky 
and a guy who's a decent NBA player at the time. Um, I think Olenek's better than Sadoransky was like now and, and then, but mm-hmm. they come to FIBA and you're like, oh, this is like, this is perfect for this guy. Like he's in his element. This is the perfect style. This is the perfect maybe role for him. Um, mm-hmm. What have you made of Olenek just being so good for this team? It seems like, it seems as though every game he has 13, eight and five or something, just a really consistent stat line. And his passing is so underrated, right? Like th- th- he always finds a cutter two, three times a game for an easy um, layup or dunk. And um, I- I've just, he's just been so phenomenal. I- I- I've thought uh, so far for Canada. No, I agree. He had that one pass to RJ in transition against Lebanon. Oh it bounced fast. Yeah, yeah. For the dunk. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that, magic. that's a thing. Yeah. So w- with the, well, first of all, with the playmaking worries, yeah, like Olenek just negates so much of that. Because if you have a guy in the front court who can be that hub, you don't necessarily need like a a ball handlers to do those playmaking tasks. And Olenek's been that for this team. And yeah, like you said, it's just the consistency. I guess we've gotten just kind of uh, take it for granted now, his consistency in, in a Team Canada uniform. But really, it's like... it's pretty mind-blowing um and this tournament he he's been at his best he's 32 years old he just had like a career year in utah and now he's playing like this for canada it's pretty insane given his age um but yeah what was the other thing i was gonna say oh yeah like transition um this team is incredible in transition that's what stands out to me watching them Mm -hmm. they're not like a traditional fiba team in that sense they are just like this nba team in a sense where they are so big and athletic and they just get out and go every i'm sure you see it i even see it from the tv jordy every defense rebound is like go 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 and uh it's interesting they run more than nurse did so you wouldn't expect that with jordy's background in fiba and nurses you know playing with the raptors who are this transition everything team and yet they're actually playing faster with jordy i i find that interesting And, and yeah back to Kelly, he's a huge part of that. You know, like if he's at the five or if he's regardless, if he's at the four, he gets the rebound, he's dribbling and he's going down the court and and he's such a good playmaker that usually like they are getting such good looks in transition. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Lebanon is not maybe the litmus test, but against France, that's really in a way how they they broke the game open was just Shea would get the, the board run and then just create chaos on on defense where neither going straight to the hoop or you know drawing a double team or or just and then kicking out and everything else. So um that's been really nice to see because in 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 the pre-tournament games they were good in transition, they didn't feel great necessarily. And now it mm-hmm. feels as though they're they're really bringing it together and I mean Dylan Brooks is dunking on people and it's just it's been I I I don't know what's almost changed. I I I know talking to guys around the team before the France game, they felt very, very confident and I did not feel that way. Um, so maybe that's the NBA kind of cockiness and in a good way or confidence. Um, but let, let's talk to a little bit about Jordy Fernandez, because I think he deserves as much credit as almost anyone on this team so far for maybe their success, just because it's such a tough job, right? It's been less than a month since he's really taken the reins and had his first day at training camp and the team looks just night and day from the first game against Germany. Um, 
when he says we want to be better each game, it really feels as though he's done that. And that's not an easy task. And he's dealing with NBA players. Um, and it just feels like everything's been so seamless for this team. And and maybe there's a wrench thrown in that later on in this tournament. And there probably will be to some extent. But just what have you thought of his coaching so far uh, for the team? Yeah, really impressive. Um, I do think like I got caught up in it myself, I'll admit, like having those thoughts like, ooh, maybe the Raptors should have hired him. You know, I think he was put in like a pretty cushioned spot, which is a credit to like Rowan who built this really strong roster that fits together. And the players who, you know, obviously knew that this was a coaching change, knew it wasn't going to be easy for Jordy and um, just kind of bought in, you know, to each other and and to uh, the game plan and all that stuff. But with that being said, yeah, very impressive. Um, I, I like, you know, that that transition stuff is really where I get excited in terms of mm-hmm. when he talks about this team can get better every game. You're seeing it in transition because transition to me is like the biggest chemistry factor. Like in the half mm-hmm. court, it's more set, you know, like um, I, I guess there aren't as, as many opportunities to be creative in that sense. Whereas in transition, if you know where guys like to play, as you play with them more and more, you know their spots, you know how fast they can get to this spot, you know how hard you have to throw the ball in order for them to get it, you know. Um, transition is, I think, really where that stuff comes out, and you're seeing it every game. They're just getting better and better. at it. So that's where I think they can really keep improving is, you know, getting stops and running. And so, yeah, I, I think the biggest credit for Jordy, what I've seen is just like he's kept it simple. He hasn't tried to overcomplicate things. They run a couple different defenses. They don't do pretty much no zone, nothing crazy. Um, on offense, there's a clear hierarchy, like you said. There's no Dylan Brooks taking silly shots. It's it's Shea, it's RJ, it's it's Kelly Olynyk, and, and and they're all moving the ball well. Is another huge thing. Obviously, they had like the record number of assists against Lebanon, and that just shows that they're playing for each other, which I think a coach uh, has a huge factor in that. Also, the players do, because, again, this is a thing where they're friends. They grew up together. I I do think that factors in. But, yeah, Jordy deserves credit. And to me, an an interesting thing is the way he talks about the program, like to you guys in the press, is like he keeps giving these answers as if he's going to be here for 10 years. And I, I find that, you know, it's good, but it's not something Nick necessarily did. And as Jordy, like I wrote about this, but a fear is that he gets a head coaching job in the NBA next summer mm-hmm. and then does the same thing Nick Nurse did. And I think I, I have a little less of that fear now just based on the way he talks about, you know, this program. We want to get it to number one in the world. You know, like he keeps giving answers as if he's talking not about this tournament, but about like the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just how he is and where he differentiates from Nick is that he grew up in FIBA and I mean, to be honest, he knows that this opportunity is is one of the five best in, in the international game. And, you know, maybe he is set in it, in it that strong that like if he gets a, an NBA job, he's going to keep this job regardless. I hope that's the case for sure. The way he's talking about it makes it seem that way. I have a question for you because it feels being around the team here in Jakarta that they every time. <laughs> It's really it feels like I'm I'm part of the intelligence service when I'm trying to just get questions and answers from Jordy. 
sometimes. I mean, he's he's been very kind, and I'm not saying it in a in necessarily a disparaging way. But was that the case for Nick, where everything felt very tight lipped um, with regards to anything in in throughout kind of tournaments or qualifiers? It was that the case for for Nick. Yeah, I would say like, do you mean impressors or in like just the whole? Have you had a one on one? Just the whole experience um arash yeah. and i have, have maybe noticed that a little bit so i was just wondering if, if if that's something you noticed with regards to nick nurse no for sure i i mean nick would give good quotes about like you know what he saw and where guys fit and mm-hmm. what guys did well or not well on a basketball court but if you tried to ask him anything that could be like i guess at all controversial you could say yeah. he would never he would never give no. an answer and yeah no, no. i think jordy's the same way yeah. and i don't mean controversial in like you're fishing for anything i just mean like nba people will spin anything they're so nervous it, it's what makes yeah. the league bad in in terms of a be- yeah. being a media member like they're so nervous of anything being spun against them that if you ask a personal question basically i shouldn't say controversial but a personal yeah. thing like their philosophy or their, you know, individual personal thing, they will shy away from it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, definitely felt that, but he's been, he's been really nice to us. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, the team, the players have been good, uh, interviews as well. Um, hopefully, nice. uh, getting Dylan Brooks, uh, on just in the mix zone tomorrow. So I think, uh, we'll, we'll have some funny questions for him. Um, but, uh, nice. Warren, I just, I just want to, before I let you go, what are your expect expectations of this team now? Obviously, after the, the two emphatic wins, especially France, and are they a medal contender? Are they going to get that Olympic spot? What What do you think is maybe the likeliest outcome for for this team? I mean, it's almost two pronged in terms of just the Olympics and then how they do in the tournament itself. But what if you had to guess? Well, what do you think happens for this team? I would guess that they um, make an Olympic bid. You know, you look at the other side of the bracket, it looks like Dominican will finish second in their group and play the United States in the knockout round, I think, if if everything goes according to how it's looking right now. And so basically, that means Ken has to make it to the quarterfinals because it looks like Dominican will and it looks like they'll lose in the quarterfinals, if I were to guess against the united states I'm, my my worry is they beat serbia and then they play lithuania or greece yeah. or montenegro and then it's like holy shit uh, canada needs to make at least the semi-final um, right i would be surprised if they beat serbia that's the thing and that's a big I, no, game no, i know i, I we'll I, see there's also just uh i was talking i think i could say this because it's not anything um but i was talking to michael bartlett just um kind of um around jakarta here and he was mentioning that they actually play angola and if angola basically wins by more than five or six points who's been pretty decent so far that dominican would be out already um in in their last Mm. game so there's a chance if there's an upset that the dominican could could be sent home but uh we'll, we'll see but yeah that's my worry is that they they beat serbia and then they play like lithuania um who probably could definitely beat them but is just not usa um yeah no for sure yeah dominican's interesting i feel like they've had really high highs and really low lows i do think like like towns for example in that first game against philippine against the philippines like he really struggled for the first 
half of that game, I would say, like the guards just got into his dribble and he was terrible. Like he was just giving a ball up all over the place. So I do think there is some ways to limit towns because he's such a big scorer for them. And I, I think if you get into his dribble a little bit, it's not like they're setting him up amazingly. He's creating a lot on his own. So mm-hmm. anyways, I, I just think they're susceptible. Um, so yeah, I would, I, I guess back to Canada. Um, I would, I would predict that they do finish the tournament better than the Dominican, just from what I've seen from the two different teams and who they're going to play going forward. Um, in terms of, they're definitely a contender for a medal. Now it's, it's tough, like to predict that they will, because it's going to be a tough route there and, and anything can happen in this FIBA game in injuries, bad three point shooting. Um, like I said, foul trouble. They're going to have a tough test against, you know, teams like Germany and Australia, potentially Spain in the next round is going to be a really hard team to beat. Even Brazil could be tough. Not honestly, it's not going to be really. Yeah, tough I, I watched Brazil and uh, today yeah. and I was with them. I don't know if you know who Scott Witter is. He's kind of the big Canadian yeah. guy. And uh, we weren't that impressed by Brazil, but you never know. Uh, I do yeah. have an exclusive with Bruno. There's a something coming out. Just nice. I did a little interview, so stay tuned. Oh, for nice. that. Um, Spain does does look good, but talent wise does not look yeah. nearly on the same level as Canada. So you really it really feels as though if Canada can play at its peak, Spain isn't really at that same level. Um, but they're not. But I'm impressed with their roster, and I think they're getting better as like they look better against Brazil than they did against Canada in the mm-hmm. prelims. Um, that second unit looks really good with Aldama and Garuba. Like they have a lot of NBA talent. Yeah. Um, definitely not the same high end that Canada has, but they do have it spread throughout their whole roster. And obviously the continuity is there. So yeah, I guess I'm not getting like too far ahead of myself with Canada because I've been hurt before. But but yeah, just from what we've seen, Canada's been the by far better team. No, and I actually just to, I'm gonna plug myself because why not? But uh, I did have a sit down pretty lengthy with Sergio Scariolo um, yesterday. And I mean, he, he was very much tempering expectations for the Spanish team. Maybe that's a mindset um, that he wants the players to be instilled by Um, just talking about how they're just not one of the most talented teams, but they're, you know, they play together. They know how to win together. Um, And I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see that game because if Canada, let's say wins by 15, Right. I'm just making something up, which d- definitely could happen. You feel OK. Mm-hmm. They, they've, they're playing a team that knows how to play together is really good. And uh, and just if they win in a convincing style, you feel, oh, my God, this team could maybe win uh, this tournament or, or make the finals. Um, they do have a tough quarterfinal match. Um, it sounds as though uh, Franz Wagner is out at least until the quarters um, from what I've mm-hmm. been hearing. So. If he's coming back against Canada, that might be tough. But if Canada wins their group, then they play Australia or Slovenia. I'm not that high on Australia. Slovenia scares you because of Luka, but they're not as good as they were in 2021. So in a weird way, I feel as though the draws opened up for them a little bit um, as much as it could in a sense. And I'd be very surprised. I feel after that France game, they're going to make the quarters. Um, I just don't see them losing to Latvia and, and Brazil. Um, that's the thing if they just beat those two teams even if they lose to spain they'll be through 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And I will say this. This is the boldest thing I'll say about Canada is yeah. if they do make it as far as playing the United States, I think they will beat the United States. Wow. Like my worry is teams with like the experience and the know-how like a Spain, like a Germany who can muck up a FIBA game and make it uncomfortable. But when you look at the United States and it's like, okay, talent versus talent, you know, sure, you it's close. Let's just say it's close in terms of NBA talent versus talent. But Canada has that experience that the United States does not have. So I I I picked them in that game, definitely. Like that's interesting. They do not worry me as much as some of these other teams do. Wow. And and maybe that's just I've I've been unimpressed with them, to be honest. Their starting lineup is, is really not good so far. You know, Reeves and, and Halliburton save them every game, and those two look phenomenal. And I'm not saying anything would be easy against the United States, but through two games, you can't look at them and be like, oh, wow, they're running rough shot through the tournament. Did, did you see the Brandon Ingram comments about just his role? And Yeah. Did, yeah He's so, not playing well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think Halliburton and Reeves are – their best players and obviously Brunson probably and, and Jaron Jackson's a really good de- yeah. defensive Jackson player of course scary, to be honest. and, and is a really me. good for FIBA especially against Canada yeah. where you, you talk about lack of size but for me it was more that that France game made me think okay they can win the gold medal and I really didn't think that was the case prior yeah. to that's so I, I agree with what you're thinking um or saying I, I I've been really high in Germany and with that injury obviously a bit less so but to me, I I was who was I talking to? I've had so many podcasts. I think it was Vivek, Jacob, and I I put them as my number two on the power rankings behind the U.S., um, Germany. So I've I've really liked them. But if Wagner's out, they're just not nearly as good a team, right? He's just been so, he's such yeah. a good FIBA player, um, and just such a good player overall that uh, losing him. So, anyways, Orin, I know you need you need to head out. Um, just uh, thanks again for doing this and. Uh, Hopefully uh, we can do a recap pod when Canada beats USA in the, in the finals in September 10th or something like that around then. So, yeah. and and you can, you can say, you know, on August, what are we, the 29th or something? Um, I was right. So thanks again, Oren. Yeah. For- I hope I don't regret saying that one, but uh, it is what it is, but no, thanks for having me and shout out to you for all these pods that you've been putting out and, and your coverage questions over there. Keep up the good work. Uh, have you been, having a good time yeah no it's been it's been awesome um been basically uh uh running rough shot along arash madani so i feel i know him pretty well he was actually on my my podcast behind the play and was gonna come on after the world cup but he'll he'll come on sometime this week and he's been great kind of showing me just giving me so much um, insight and, and knowledge and he's been awesome and and scott witter has been pretty funny alongside where i don't know if people saw this and we talked about it on our podcast together but he he uh brought a dylan brooks t-shirt to the presser and everyone on team canada started noticing him um where dwight powell did a double take and started tapping on lou dort and then i think uh i don't know if it was a fist bump but dylan brooks saw it and it was like hey and and so that's been a lot of fun um so it, it's been just an amazing experience and jakarta has been great and um uh i th- i think i'll have a, a some other stuff in store but um just for kind of high profile guests um michael grange arash madani dan shulman and also i'm gonna put together a, a bruno caboclo and uh uh 
Sergio Scariolo kind of podcast of the two interviews with them. So that's something oh, nice. people can stay tuned for. And um, yeah, uh, Oren, thanks again for this. Um, everyone should should check out your work because you're basically the the OG of of covering this national team through and through. So um, thanks again. Well, I for- will give credit to guys like Michael Grange and Doug Smith and and Josh Lewenberg. I will. They've been doing it for much longer than me. But yeah, among them, among the young crowd, I've definitely. Uh, I, I just mean done a lot about Canada you, basketball. You, you've recently. done a lot of niche stuff on Canada basketball, right? Like you've you've kind of. I don't know yeah. how you describe I bought it. bought in. You bought in. You're all bought in. Now we need to get you a jersey or something one day. I've staked a lot of my career on yeah. them being good. So I, yeah. I have not. I have not at all because I'm only here in Jakarta, uh, you know, as my first event. So yeah, I have a I keep telling everyone I need them to win for my own sake. Um, so uh there you go. But uh thanks, Oren, again for for doing this. Everyone should check your work out at, at Yahoo at Sportsnet. Is there any other places that you want to kind of plug before i let you go or no please. that's pretty much it like i'll be writing again i've been doing these daily recaps about the whole tournament at uh sportsnet me and vivek are kind of splitting those duties and then once the second group stage starts i'll be writing uh gamers on canada at, at yahoo awesome so okay. great yeah you can find my work there all Perfect. right thanks for having me have fun i'm jealous you're in jakarta yeah, uh, it, it looks awesome. It looks awesome. Maybe in in Paris, twenty twenty four. That's what I was gonna say. Let's that's do the it. dream. Let's do it. We'll that's see. the dream, we'll man. See. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Take care and and thanks again. All right. Thank you.